what did you think of my musical interlude last time, by the way? <laughs> I thought it was really very good. Um, <laughs> I, I liked... Half an hour's effort. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's all it needed. I've had that song stuck in my head for the last two days. <laughs> yeah, it's been rather funny. I liked the backing bits. <laughs> Uh, so the bit where you went, oh shit! Yeah, it was wonderfully childish. Very nice. No, that was. No, I thought it was very, very good. Did make me. Titter. We'll try and do more of those. Try and write some original songs, and uh, yeah, do do as everything with this podcast is a slightly shit song every couple of weeks <laughs> when we can be asked. Very good. No need this week though, because it's all about poetry, isn't it? It is all about poetry. Well, should we should we do a countdown for this week. I feel like we should do a countdown. Let's go old school and count it. In. Yeah, I, th- I think we can do a countdown, and then I think we should start the show with a bit of Super Bowl halftime razzmatazz. Oh wow! A bit more pow. Okay. What have you got planned, and does it involve a webcam and a subscription service? Boom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, let's do a countdown then. Three, three, two. two. One. One Shakira Shakira Oh ex she's a Colombian lass and crikey she's got a lovely ass it jiggles as she wiggles it makes me want to polish my brass Oh don't be fooled by the socks <laughs> that I got I'm still I'm still Barry on the blocks I used to earn a little now I earn a lot because I got my own bricklaying company Hey <laughs> <laughs> Study now, lads. Oi, oi, <laughs> oi. <laughs> there you go. That was in honour of the Super Bowl halftime, which by the time this goes out will probably be about three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> you remember the Super Bowl back last <laughs> month? <laughs> yes, hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the highly topical history podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, history if nothing else. In which Tom... Hello. <laughs> the man singing Shakira Shakira. And Sam, the man not... Discuss history topics on a theme each week. The topic is decided a week in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And as we've hinted already, it is Poetry Week. Yay! Yay! Fucking you like poetry, love don't you? Poetry. <laughs> I fucking hate poetry, Tom. <laughs> I only wanted to do poetry because I'd come across a source that I think deserved to be spoken about. Yes, and I had an idea what that source might be. When you said I found a source, and was it that and source? And then when you hinted at what that source was, yes, it was Tom. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Were you aware of this source? I, I I had heard of this source, yes. <laughs> and I think today's going to be quite good fun. Good, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I imagine I won't. So yes, yeah, so you took the obvious, <laughs> <laughs> which meant that I I set myself a mission quietly this week to do something classical, which not giving too much away is what you've done. And then when you, and then when you confirmed that this is what you'd done, I thought, well, I can't do classical anymore because you've got that all wrapped up. Yeah, there's literally nothing to top what I'm about to speak about. Yeah. So yes, I've just gone for generically terrible poetry. I thought we'd have a oh good a bit of a laugh at some shit poetry. Well, that's nice because my my poet is widely perceived to be very very good, a very good poet. He just has a rather odd side gig. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I think that's that's enough of a hint, isn't it? Oh, we should probably say to our audience that uh, news alert. What? 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 Yes, that's the news honk. The duck of news has arrived. Oh, it was a goose. <laughs> it was a goose. The goose of news. <laughs> there we go. That's another character for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> the current affairs goose. And now over to goose. Ah 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 
Uh-uh. No, we haven't sung the News Goose theme tune, Tom. <laughs> goose, goose, tell me the news. You've got a bad case of shitting on you. <laughs> Weird flues from over China. It's the Goose Goose. <laughs> So what's the what's the news, Tom? You, you, I don't know. You were the one who had some news. So it's Tom's news, but Tom's clearly forgotten about it. Oh, sorry. Tom is moving house next week. Tom is returning to the correct side of the world where water flows free and clockwise. No, we're go, going back to the epicenter of civilization. We are, yes, Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Tom's moving house next week, which is is very exciting and will mean absolutely no difference whatsoever for this podcast because we'll still be several hundred miles apart, but we'll make for a much friendlier time difference and will also mean that there's no episode next week because uh, Tom will be at 38,000 feet or, watching yeah. in-flight movies. And... and trying to avoid coronavirus in Singapore. Yeah, so we're going to be yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, masked up to the gills. We don't have gills. We're going to be masked up and just trying to avoid getting sick on the way back. <laughs> if you had gills, the mask wouldn't be much use, would it? No, and we could have swum and it would have saved us a lot of money. So a little bit like it would have done. Waterworld. So, no, yeah, so nothing next week, I'm afraid. A, a very big move. We're having to sell our, all of our belongings and we're moving all the way back to the UK from New Zealand, which is quite a big deal for anyone who's ever flown here. It's not a short distance. No. and it, Yeah, a lot of luggage to come as well. Yeah. You were briefly talking about taking your printer in hand luggage. Yeah, well, th- well, that was because I'm committed, Sam. I'm committed to, to doing some <laughs> stupid cartoons for the website. Uh, but you poo-pooed the idea of me bringing a printer in my hand luggage. <laughs> I don't know why. might have an issue with it. <laughs> I, was, well, I could put it in my, um, in my, in my checked-in luggage, maybe, if I've got enough room. Alongside, yeah, that's going to come out in one piece. Alongside the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dishwasher still full of dishes. <laughs> this is going to be quite the uh, caravanning holiday for you, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> a, a loft insulation bat. I just sort of random things. I feel like I should bring on the plane. We're yeah. not very good at we prioritizing. That. <laughs> no, that's such a dad packing list, isn't it, for a major move? <laughs> oh, I'm just panicked. I just panicked and thought we might need I thought, the toilet seat. I thought we might need a hammer drill and a router and a toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, unfortunately no episode next week, but we're going to make this week's extra special as a treat for you all. Especially for you lot. It's, yeah, especially for you. Specifically you. No, don't look, no, don't look around. We mean you. Don't know. Yeah, we mean no, you. Yeah. You. <laughs> right, Tom. Uh, should we flip something or should I just let you go first? Because we all know you're going to go first. Um, I've got nothing beautiful. I've got nothing poetry related to flip, so I will go first. Uh, we've already sure, well, got... given. I hate poetry. I don't have any poetry books. Do you not have any poetry? I I have actually got some poetry books. I've got some Greek tragedies. That's classed as poetry. I've, well, you, you surely you've got some Homer. You've got some Homeric epic. I, do you know somewhere in a bookcase? I do actually, but not to hand. Yeah, yeah. You you all have some stuff. We'll come on to a bit of Homeric epic shortly. So, the person that I'm talking about this week is a chap called Catullus. Catullus? Gaius Valerius Catullus. Which is a slightly disappointing name compared to old warty uh, Fabius from the Punic Wars, who we discussed in episode one, I think, the pilot episode. It was episode one. Fabius, who was uh, Vericosus, one of his names, which meant warty. Anyway, Gaius Valerius Catullus. He was a poet from the... La- so what does, what does that mean? What does Valerius mean? Um, what's his nickname? I, I don't think he had one. I think that's what made it boring. Oh, so that's just his actual name. Yeah, that's just like Gary... 
He's not mm. Gary Big Toes. It's not. No, 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 no. Exactly. It's just like Gary Vivian Catullus, as opposed to Gary <laughs> Big Ears Catullus. And Catullus, as far as we're aware, had normal-sized ears. And he was a poet from the late Roman Republic, a contemporary of people like Cicero and Caesar, for example, who are both incidentally referenced in his poems. And he's characterised as a neoteric poet, which in rather simple terms means that he chose to write his poetry in a very untraditional way for the time, very untraditional subjects. So... His poems explore more everyday topics, most commonly relationships and quite frequently and love. Traditionally, though, poetry in ancient Greece and Rome didn't really address these topics too much. Poetry was more about stories of mythology and great military events and exciting journeys. Think about Jason and the Argonauts, um, the Odyssey, the Iliad. Yeah. Yeah. Even the ancient Greek stuff dealt less with personal everyday yeah, topics. Yeah, it was a yeah. Yes, that kind of stuff shouldn't be kept in the public domain, though, should it? It should be kept in the home, away from prying eyes in the public. It's a rather traditional British attitude, actually, now that you think about it, isn't it? Don't show any emotion. Don't, don't tell people what you truly think. You know, stiff up a lip. Write poetry about Britain, hills, flowers, cows. <laughs> yeah, cows, yes. Poetry about cows. Not really such fascinating... I would rather read about Jason and the Argonauts than cows. <laughs> Oh cow! Well, Tom, I've oh, got cow. a poet for you. I've got a, I've got a poet for you later. <laughs> well, I've got a poet you're going to hate later. <laughs> oh cow! Oh cow! How spotty is your hide? Your shits are rather flat. <laughs> yeah. They come out from your behind. And I put my hand inside. <laughs> that's a fetish, isn't it? That's a that's a fetish. Shagging cow pats. Have you heard this? Uh, I have not. I suspect that is very much a New Zealand fetish. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. It's a, it's a, it's a Somerset. It's like a, a West Country British fetish. Now uh, people have been con- have been caught in the past for shagging cow pats, and for want of and a does be- this have a name? For want of a better <laughs> phrase, I shit you not. No, let's have a look. <laughs> fetish for shagging cow pats. The adverts you get on Facebook after this are going to be epic, quite something. Is <laughs> an, an article that's come up uh, BBC.co.uk. Cow slurry fetishist Ooh. David Truscott given jail term May the thirtieth, twenty fourteen. Oh, what's he given a jail term for? A man with a cow slurry fetish is jailed for five years after threatening to kill her. Dot dot dot. The court heard. That he had initially removed oh, well, okay. cats from the farm, but his doctor threat of assault—that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's probably threatened assault because the farmer probably came out and said, "Put your trousers on and stop shagging my cow pats, please. They're mine." <laughs> yes, I'm the only one allowed to woo this poo. <laughs> and who are you? <laughs> Don't be in such a hurry with my slurry. This is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it it it, it is a fairly well-known fetish to shag cow pats. Can't see the appeal myself. No, not really my bag. I mean, yeah. Each to their own. You know, they're not harming anyone until he sort of beat the farmer over the head with his prior puss-sized willy. willy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so we were referring to ancient Greek history, weren't we, before that rather strange divergence. That's not to say that Catullus's poetry was completely groundbreaking. He was influenced by other poets like, um, for example, a chap called Callimachus Calama- and Sappho. And Sappho was a poet from the 7th century BC, very old. And prepare yourselves for this, Sam. They were female. Sappho was female. And here's some interest. What? I know. Get out of here. Shut the front door. Oh, probably poetry about ironing, wasn't it? And and periods. Yes. And, lady lady things. Cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. Not like manly poetry. Yeah. About. About cowpats and hills. And, and, <laughs> yes. And. Um, and things. 
and Caesar. And anal examinations for cancers and prostate exams, you know, that sort of thing. Proper manly, <laughs> proper manly subjects to talk about. This is what happens when we go off script with you, isn't it? <laughs> panic! Panic! You always fall back on the prostate. <laughs> oh, no, I'm trying to think of a limerick now for a prostate. Um, uh, there once was a man from Tottenham who had a very sore bottom. <laughs> he went to the dock... <laughs> who put on his hands a sock I went to explore his bum ah so close up course, on your turn a prostate related limerick <laughs> uh, oh god there once was a man from Tikrit who had a funny feeling when he shit the doc put in a finger right up to his ringer and tickled his prostate a bit hey there we go. that was better than mine <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thanks. Excellent. Yeah, so some more interesting facts. Quite, quite proud. Quite proud of that. Oh, well, I'm going to try and up, I'm going to try and outdo your limerick during your section because I'm. I think I got outclassed there. I got out limericked. You did. <laughs> so you have been bested, sir, in the battle of wits. Riddle me, re, riddle me, roo. Um, incidentally, here's an interesting one. It's a little bit like the scene from The Hobbit, isn't it? With, with Gollum and Bilbo having a riddle off. Oh, I thought you were going to say with Gollum and Bilbo having a prostate exam. <laughs> oh, my precious. <laughs> Lord, of, Look, Lord of my I was rings. About to say, I know you like rings, Gollum, but can you keep your finger to yourself, please? Thank you very much. But One ring Classic. to rule them all. Um, not mine. <laughs> Leave it alone. Anyway, interesting fact about Sappho that I uh, encountered. The words lesbian and sapphic, both meaning lesbian, etymologically originate with (laughs) Sappho. And that's because Sappho, sapphic, that's obvious. But uh, Sappho wrote about female-to-female relationships a lot, and she actually lived on the island of Lesbos. So that's how we get the word lesbian. I didn't realise that. I knew Lesbos and lesbian were connected. but Yeah, I did a module at university on lesbian music. Oh, did you? Yeah, there we go. Lesbian music. What does lesbian music sound like? How does it differ from heterosexual music? <laughs> I, it, it, well, it's dreadful. More muffled. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> well, much like all Greek music, it's fucking awful. Mm. Classical Greek music, that is. Anyway, on the subject of lesbians, the majority of Catullus's existing poems are about his relationship with a lady he calls lesbian. Actually, let me retrace my steps. It's not the majority of Catullus's existing poems. A large portion of Catullus's existing poems are about his relationship with a lady he calls a lesbia, which is a clear reference to Sappho, which highlights the influence of Sappho on Catullus. And scholars are, are very confident that uh, this lesbian lady is actually a lady called Claudia Metelli, who is notoriously sexually liberal, and uh, she sort of unfaithfully bonked her way around Roman high society quite successfully during the period when the Roman Republic was being pulled apart and ended up being an, an empire, obviously. And uh, she's kind of just the... How dare she, Tom? How dare she sleep around? That is exclusively the preserve of young Roman men. It's interesting because Catullus himself was sleeping around as well, sleeping with prostitutes and he had um, homosexual relationships with young men. So, yeah. Of course he did. Everyone in Rome did. Exactly, exactly. But she's, she sort of comes across as a sort of lady you don't want to fall head over heels for. 
she's obviously doesn't want to be tied down. Paul Catullus did fall head over heels for, for Lesbia, and his oh poems are very much about his emotions of love, envy, betrayal, all at the hands, or should I say crotch, uh, of Lesbia, who he did actually have a sexual <laughs> relationship with. But alas, Sam, this is not why we are all here, is it? You see, the information thus far given about Catullus is the sort of sterilised version of Catullus. Not a very fun version no, of Catullus, Tom. No, it's a nice background. And I feel, I get a feeling you can do better. <laughs> yes, Catullus did write other types of poem, and we have about 110, over 110 poems from him. And um, <laughs> and here they all are now. Yes, well, yeah, a few of them, a select few. We know what our audience are like, Sam, and I know what you're like, Sam. And um, like the podcast whore that I am, I'm now going to debase myself for the humour and amusement of everyone present. Um, let's read some of his Good. other poems. Fucking finally. Shall we? <laughs> Let me read you poem number 16. And I'll read you the translation, a translation from 1871 first off. <clears throat> Let me start. I'll introduce you, accuse you, and abuse you, soft Aurelius. Sorry, fuck, I've dropped my pen again. Maybe you could just keep the pen on the table. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be the same, would it, no. Sam? You wouldn't enjoy this podcast as much if I wasn't clicking pencils, dropping pencils, fiddling. Farting. Have you, have you picked up on some of my farts before? Because I do fart loudly during these podcasts occasionally. I have had to edit out some of your farts, yes. <laughs> Pow pow! <laughs> I don't remember it making that noise. <laughs> I can. I hope you can see. You can't see this, but I'm actually dancing now. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> so, poem number sixteen, and I will give you the translation from 1871 first. Quote. Oh, good. Classic Victorian translation of a rude poem. I'd never said it was going to be rude. I'll traduce you. Oh, no, no, you didn't. Accuse you and abuse you, soft Aurelius, even as easy furious. You that lightly, a saucy verse resenting, misconceit me, sophisticate me wanton. No, pure chastity rules the godly poet. Rules not posy, needs not err to rule it. Charms some verse with a witty grace delightful. Tis voluptuous, impudent, a wanton. It shall kindle an icy thought to courage. Not a boy fancies alone, but even frozen. Frank, immovable, all a mort to pleasure. You my kisses, a million happy kisses, musing. Read me a silky thrall to softness. I'll traduce you, accuse you, and abuse you. What the fuck did I just read, Sam? I don't know, but you made it sound very nice. Did I, did I say it sound nice? Apart from the apart from the abusing thing. <laughs> yes, so that's... Well, okay, so it sounds very nice. That's nice to hear. So that's the 1871 version. And I'd like you to put yourself in the position of a scholar from 1871, seriously now, trying to translate the original Latin of this poem into the common dialect. Let me now give you a version from um, Wikisource, so a more modern version. <laughs> <clears throat> if, I hope it comes with pictures like WikiHow does. <laughs> Quote, I will sodomise you and face-fuck you, cocksucker Aurelius and bottom bitch furious, who think from my little verses, because they're a little soft, that I have no shame, for it is right for the devoted poet to be chaste himself, but it is not necessary for his verses to be so. Verses which then need have taste and charm, if they are delicate and have no shame, and because they can incite an itch. I don't mean in boys, but in those hairy men who can't move their loins. You, because about my many thousands of kisses you've read, you think me less of a man, I will sodomise you and face-fuck you. <laughs> this guy. A poem of contrasts. A poem of contrasts. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's the same Latin. <laughs> the guy from 1871 has really, really tried hard to make that poem decent. 
Let me give you um, a, another translation that I came across online from a, a lady called Bakayla Wakil Janan, which is her best attempt to put this into common language. Fuck you, boys. Same poem. Uh, oh, different poem. The same poem. This is the same poem in three different versions. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this is yeah. This is the same poem. Exactly the same poem. Three versions. Fuck you, boys. Up the button in the mouth, you queer Aurelius and you fag furious. <laughs> you size me up on the basis of my poems because they're a little sexy. That's not really decent. A poet has to live clean, but not his poems. They only have spice and charm, if somewhat sexy, and really not for children. If, in fact, they cause body talk, I'm not talking in teenagers, but in hairy old men who can barely move their stiff bums. But you, because you happen to read about many thousands of kisses, you think I'm not a man? Fuck you, boys. Up the button in the mouth. <laughs> wow. That's, 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 a bit, that's a bit slam poetry, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't understand why Catullus isn't studied quite as much as Virgil or Ovid or Homer <laughs> in schools. Just don't get it, really. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was number 16. Let me. Neither does Catullus by the sounds of it. <laughs> There's something of the incel about him. I don't want to... <laughs> he seems, he doesn't seem to take, I mean, I, I actually identify with him because he doesn't seem to take criticism very well. Does he? Because the people he's talking about here, one of them was a poet themselves and another one was a politician. <laughs> he just doesn't take criticisms. He's obviously a very proud poet. And when someone gets on the wrong side of him, he, he gives him a piece of his mind. Let me give you a poem number 21, Sam. Aurelius, father of hungers, not only of these, but of however many have ever been, or are, or will be throughout the years. You want to sleep with my boy. Not secretly, for you're always with him. You joke around together. Attached to his side, you try everything. For although you plot against me, I'll stick it to you first, my dick in your mouth. Still, if that were enough, oh, wow. I would keep my <laughs> peace. I take offence now at this, that the boy will learn from you, ah me, to hunger and thirst, on account of which lay off while you can do so chastely, lest you should reach your end, but with a dick in your mouth. Uh, that's the 1871 version. <laughs> no, no, I've actually got the 1871 version here. It's a bit boring. We won't go for that. Yeah, right. It's a bit boring, but it just takes... Oh, I don't know how the translator managed to make it so sterile. Let's talk about number 23. So that we've, we've had Aurelius and Furious on a number of occasions. He really didn't like either of these people. Number 23. Oh. Furious, you who haven't got a slave, no piggy bank, not a bug or spider or heat but you certainly have a father and a stepmother whose teeth can even choose sand. It's delightful for you, with your father and with your father's wooden wife. No wonder, since you all do well with everything, you endure nicely, you fear nothing. Not flame, not total ruin, not even deeds or slander lies, or other changed chance of dangers. But really, are your bodies drier than bone, or than anything, if there is anything, made even drier by sun, cold and starvation? So why wouldn't everything be well and happy for you? You are without sweat, spit, snot, or runny nose. To this neatness add an even greater neatness, because your asshole is cleaner than a salt dish. Not ten shits in a whole year, and they're harder than a bean or little pebbles. And if you touched it and probed it with your hands, you could never slip a finger into it. <laughs> Furious, don't despise these lovely comforts or think them worthless. And as for that grand you always beg, leave off with a hundred. You're happy enough. I think that's basically <laughs> telling Furious he's a stingy bastard isn't it? Yeah, that sounds about right. He does enjoy going into the poo bite bit of it, doesn't he? That was number 23. Where well, he does. He seems quite upset that he can't put his finger into it. 
It's obviously a test. It's a test of the, the yeah. quality of your poo. Well, it, well, it is the Bristol scale. The Bristol. Well, I can. I didn't realise you could tell how pellety is on the Bristol scale. I didn't realise you could tell how thrifty someone was based on the solidity of their turds. But clearly, you can, according to. Well, no. Yes, you, yes, you can, Tom. <laughs> yes, you can. Very stiff. <laughs> yes, yeah, stiffy is thrifty. Stiff, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you know what they say, Tom. You know what they say. Loosen the bowels. Loosen the change. <laughs> Full bowl, full wallet. <laughs> mo poos, mo problems. <laughs> anyway, number 33. Cleverest of all thieves at the baths, Father Vibenius, and you, his profligate son. For the father has a dirtier right hand, but the son has a more voracious anus. Off with you into banishment and the dismal regions, since the father's plunderings are known to all the world, and son, you cannot sell your hairy bottom for an ass. Bit strange. Wow. Bit strange, isn't it? I get the gist of what's going on there, but I don't really know why he wrote a poem about it. <laughs> well, I think this is part of what makes him entertaining. It's everyday stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and it's very... it's it, He puts a lot of emotion into it. He's just speaking his mind, Sam. Well, the emotion is just... It, it, we say a lot of emotion. He puts a lot of anger into it. <laughs> By all accounts, and I'm really not an expert on this, the actual poetry here, so the original Latin, is very beautiful. So he, he writes very rhythmical, nice-sounding Latin poetry, but are just on very interesting topics, very everyday topics. <laughs> number 69 I particularly like. I think this is one is particularly good. Good choice, six, yeah. number 69. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Do not w- do not wonder, O Rufus, why no woman wants to place her dainty thigh under you, not if you should undermine her with a gift of rare clothes, or with the pleasures of a transparent jewel. A certain bad story hurts you, by which a wild billy-goat is said to dwell under the valley of your upper arms. All fear this, nor is it strange, for it is very bad beast, nor one with which a pretty girl would lie. Therefore, either kill the cruel pest of the noses, or cease to wonder why they flee. So he's basically... He's basically, he's basically a whole poem about having a smelly armpit. <laughs> exactly, he's basically saying, Rufus, you've got dreadful B.O. That's why you're not getting laid. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought was excellent. <laughs> Stinky Rufus, who never gets the girls. I'll try and track it down. There is a great meme that goes around on Facebook every so often about names for deodorant. It's a Venn diagram of names for deodorants and things that have killed Roman emperors. And <laughs> oh wow! And in the middle, there's things like axe, yeah, <laughs> and dove, Brutus, <laughs> Old Spice. Um, yeah, Old Spice is in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll try and find that and put it on social media. Very nice. Anyway, so there you go. There, there are, there's some examples of some of Catullus's poems. So it's a mixed bag with Catullus, regardless of what you think about his poetry. It has been incredibly influential and was exceptionally popular after its rediscovery during the Renaissance. And I think Petrarch was very influential in its rediscovery. Petrarch, the very famous Renaissance figure who we've discussed before. Catullus is seen by scholars as one of the most important poets of his generation who opened up the art form of poetry um, and paved the way for the likes of Virgil, Ovid, <laughs> everyday and angry Horace. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so more famous poets like Virgil, Ovid, Horace, they all came in the decades and century after Catullus. So he's seen as a very influential poet. And actually, the 1871 version that I found of his poems was actually dedicated to Alfred Lord Tennyson, the famous British poet. Yeah, obviously with the rude poem sterilised. So he's a very, very influential poem who has been admired by many throughout the years. There you have it, Sam, the Catullus. Very interesting. 
What a, what a lovely, rude man. There was actually there was a, a fun story that I found, and I've not got it in front of me now, so I'm probably going to get the names wrong, but I think it was in Cicero. And he was writing about how... Um, I think it was Sulla was giving a speech in a Roman forum and an admirer from the audience came out and handed him a poem that he'd written about Sulla in kind of in his honour. And Sulla read it and decided that this poem was so bad that he gave the man a bag of gold in return for never, ever, ever writing anything about him ever again. (laughs) Very good. Very good. So nice to know that poetry, good and bad, has thrived over the years. Well, I did have to rush my research somewhat this week, but I did come across the fact that Catullus had actually written some scathing poetry about Julius Caesar but they the kind of t- the two of them kind of mingled in the same circles um Catullus was actually brought up in I think it was near Verona so it was, it was quite close to Gaul and had he had experienced Caesar's expeditions in Gaul almost firsthand and hadn't particularly liked the way Caesar had been behaving and so he'd written a scathing poem about Caesar and then had um, had to apologize because Caesar was coming around for tea um, I think I think it's what I read. <laughs> so I had to had to apologise because Caesar was coming over for dinner. Fantastic. Well, Tom, I've got something slightly different for you today, and I'm going to start with a poem. Possibly unsurprisingly, Tom, as it is Poetry Week, <laughs> <laughs> I've written a little poem, which is it's a, it's a joke and a poem in one, Tom. So uh, be prepared. Have you to written your this yourself? Appreciation of slam poetry. I have written this myself. This yeah. is good effort from you for someone who doesn't like poetry. I know. An English poet, an Irish poet and a Scottish poet walk into a pub. The Englishman says to the barman, Sir, give me some grub. The Scotsman fills his tankard with lager from the tap, whilst the Irishman stares at the other two's arses because he's just here for the crack. Hey! There you go, Tom. <laughs> See what he did there. It's an Englishman, Irish, Scotsman <laughs> joke and a poem in one. It was beautiful. It was It was not beautiful. And it was beautiful. It was not beautiful. <laughs> But it's topical, Tom. It's topical because that is a bad poem mm. featuring an English poet, an Irish poet, and a Scottish poet. Oh, so it's poet. deliberately bad. Enough, you were deliberately doing a bad poem. Funnily enough, Tom, that's what I'm talking about today. A terrible English poet, a terrible Irish poet, and a terrible Scottish poet. Good. See, it's got, la- it's got layers. It's levelled like an onion. Talking about limericks, why are limericks called limericks? Because limerick is obviously a town in Ireland. It is. I don't know. That's a very good question. That, that actually would have been a very easy topic to research and talk about. You've read some dirty limericks. God, fuck. God damn it. Too late now. God damn. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's quite the claim to fame, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what school of poetry was did your town inspire? The limerick. <laughs> I'm from Sandy Balls. <laughs> Once was a man from Ealing. <laughs> I'm from Weathered Bottom, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to do... Uh, terrible classic poetry today but uh, you had that all sewn up didn't you so <laughs> so instead i've just decided to do some of the worst poetry in the english language i was considering doing some of the worst poetry worldwide but the problem with poetry in another language is that you can't get a sense of just how bad it is in the translation yeah so there was some truly dreadful for example french poetry <laughs> but you didn't really understand how bad the French poetry was when it was in English. So how have you researched? Because <laughs> you know, some of the rhymes didn't work. Because obviously, obviously, the, the good poetry is is the is the peak of the triangle, isn't it? And the bad poetry, there's shitloads of it. You just need to go into a school. Well, you do, you do. It, it, what I've done, Tom, is I've taken more of a diamond approach. It's not a it's not a pyramid. It's not a pyramid scheme of poetry. It's a diamond Stuff of poetry. That's so shit. So got, it's rare. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've gone for exceptionally bad poetry. I've gone for poetry that is rated some of the worst that's ever been written. Nice. And my criteria was that it had to be deliberately bad because there is a competition for bad poetry in New York every year, quite highly regarded competition. <laughs> and, um, 
and I didn't want to go down that route because the, you know it's all ironic and people deliberately write bad poetry so no I'm going for people who genuinely thought they were the shit okay and quite often were just just shit so as a result Tom I've got more fucking Victorians for you I'm sorry I tried to avoid it but here we are because the three people widely regarded as the worst poets in history are all from the Victorian period. Da, 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 uh, da, da, go on. Da, da, da. Coming in at number three. I'm doing a top of the yes, pops. Yes, this is a. You are doing top of the pops, yes. That's, a, a again, a, a very niche 90s TV reference. In fact, you're not even doing top of the pops, you're doing top of the pops two, which was a best of the top of the yeah, pops. Yeah, probably was, wasn't it? Looking I? at performance, live performances from the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. People know Led Zeppelin, though, don't they? They do know Led Zeppelin. I'll just do Led Zeppelin. You could, sorry, go for it. You can just do, do that in the background. But first time, I've got an honourable mention, and that is for Jonathan Swift, the author of Gulliver's oh, yeah. Travels who wrote a wonderful ditty called The Lady's Dressing Room in 1732. And this is a poem which I, I'm going to read to you today because I thought you might enjoy a nice little poem from a man who's more well-known for his, his novels and his long-form literature. So this is a poem called The Lady's Dressing Room from 1732 about a man who sneaks into the object of his desire's boudoir when she's out to, to have a little route around, only to discover... She's left him a little present in there. (laughs) Oh, yes, go on. (laughs) To stinking smoke, it turns the flame. (laughs) Poisoning the flesh from whence it came, and up exhales a greasy stench, from which you cursed careless wench. So things which must not be expressed when plumped into the reeking chest send up an excremental smell. To taint the parts from whence they <laughs> fell. The petticoats and gown perfume a waft a stink round every room. <laughs> Thus finishing his grand survey, the swain, disgusted, slunk away, repeating in his amorous fits, Oh, Celia, Celia, Celia shits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's priceless. That's brilliant. I thought you might like that. That's absolutely fantastic. I like Jonathan Swift as well. I love Gulliver's Travels. That is a great poem. Yeah. Note as well, Tom, the literary analysis in me. Uh, note the first line. To stinking smoke, it turns the flame. So at least she had the manners to light a match once she was done. Well, it, it sounded as if she'd also sprayed some Febreze. <laughs> yes, it which did. Which to yes. me is, is, is not a good solution, because then what you what happens when the next person walks in the toilet is it, just sa- it smells like shit and Febreze. <laughs> it yes, doesn't it cover does. the smell of shit, does it? Yes. <laughs> it's just like putting lipstick on a pig, isn't it, really? Just open the window and let it rest. Put a sign on the door. Yeah. Leave this for 20 minutes. <laughs> on on the subject of smells in toilets and other people using them, how do you feel, Sam, about putting your bottom on a toilet seat that has been warmed by the arse of another? Which does sound like a Motown song, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> Warmed by the ass of another. <laughs> it's been warmed by the ass of another. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Warmed by another brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fine with it. You know, everybody poops. Oh, everybody on poops. The loop. Everybody's done a town poop. is getting you down. <laughs> And people are just too much for you to bear up on the loo. Just take a shit. 
playing Angry Birds for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and do your research for your podcast of choice. <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, I've got I've got three bad poets to rattle through, Tom. Sorry, carry on. So I'm going to crack on with the top of the pops of terrible poems from the 18th century. <laughs> First up, number one is a clearly cut winner according to popular opinion. Although actually, I think that this, of the three poets I'm going to discuss today, Tom, I think this is actually probably the best of the three worst, although he's widely regarded as the worst poet of all time. And this is, of course, William Topaz McGonagall. Oh, yeah, I hate, I never, I never like his stuff. No, well, very few people do, Tom. Very few people <laughs> William do. William Topaz McGonagall. W.T., big W.T. as we'll call him, was an Irishman born in 1825 and living in Scotland. So he's our Scotsman for today, although he's not. With a penchant for absolutely not giving a toss what anyone thought of his work, which for his mental health was probably a good thing. Uh... <laughs> He considered himself quite the political poet, Tom, writing a lot about current affairs and, in particular, train crashes. He loved a good poem about a train crash, Tom. Oh, yeah, which is <laughs> ironic. Yeah, yes, it isn't it just? <laughs> now, in theory, you could write quite a powerful poem about a train crash. Uh, if you were being political, you could, you could write about the flash of a life taken away by a moment of carelessness. Uh, you could you could write about the insidious creep of cost cutting by the wealthy at the cost of the lives of working men. You could go all Bob Dylan, Cat Stevens on it. Or in McGonagall's case, you could write about the architectural merits of proper buttressing, Tom. Whatever, whatever, t- whatever mm. you tickles your fancy, yeah. whatever you think the people want to hear. And McGonagall, he what he really liked to write about was the Tay Bridge disaster, which was a train crash in December 1879, where a cheaply built and badly designed bridge over the River Tay collapsed in high winds, taking a train with it and killing 75 people. Uh, He actually wrote four poems about this, so it was clearly something that struck a chord with him. Uh, But the poem Tay Bridge Disaster itself is one of those four, and it's widely revered as the worst poem ever written in the English language. I actually don't think it is. I think the other one I'm going to talk about are worse. But here we go. This is just a, an abridged version because we're short a on snippet. time. It's really yeah. a, a painful, a painfully long poem. Beautiful railway bridge over the silvery Tay. Alas, I am very sorry to say that ninety lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of eighteen seventy nine, which will be remembered for a very long time. So apart from the fact that he got the number of deaths wrong, presumably for scansion purposes, 75 <laughs> is quite a mouthful and 90 <laughs> rolls off the tongue. So the poem ends with a stern warning. That, that outlines that outlines what the poem's about and it ends with a stern warning to bridge builders worldwide to always buttress your girders. Ooh, matron. Always buttress your girders. <clears throat> always buttress your girders, What about girders, girding boys your buttresses? Oh, don't do that. Fool. No, you're asking for don't problems. Be caught, you, don't be you... caught out good in your buttresses. But no, buttress no, no, your no, girders. No. Okay. Yep, fantastic. That's what we all want to read in our downtime. Yep. This was a poem for the people, Tom. This was a, a lesson for us all. O ill-fated bridge of the silvery tay, I now must conclude my lay by telling the world fearlessly and without the least dismay that your central girders would not have given way. At least many sensible men do say, had they been supported on either side with buttresses. At least many sensible men confesses. There's a bit of a, uh, a forced rhyme there. <laughs> For the stronger we are houses to build, the less chance we have of being killed. Nice. <laughs> so Rhymes. there we go, Tom. 
widely considered the worst serious poem in the English language. Uh, he also wrote something equally bad about a whale, which appeared in the Tay at some point, which is often considered the second worst poem of all time. Here's an extract from that. Oh, it was a most fearful and beautiful sight to see it lashing the water with its tail all its might and making the water ascend like a shower of hail with one lash of its ugly and mighty tail. Then the water did descend on the men in the boots which wet their trousers and also their coats. But it made them only the more determined to catch the whale. But the whale shook at them its tail. It's not the worst thing I've Which ever is, heard. No, but the only reason I mention this particular poem is because in the 50s, it was actually set to music and was scored to a full orchestra featuring a foghorn and an espresso coffee machine. So, Why the espresso <laughs> coffee machine? I don't, I don't know. Presumably the, the hiss of the sea, I guess, the frothing of the, of the whale's tail. Oh, no, okay. So anyway, Tom, there you go. Not, there I is mean, a, and I mentioned I that's not atrocious. I mean, it sounds a little bit like a, a secondary school poem, but, you know, it rhymes. Yeah, it's school grade. It rhymes. Yeah. So yeah, there's William Topaz McGonagall. I don't think he's the worst poet in the world, which is why I'm getting him out of the way first. So the second worst poem in the English language, Tom, and here's where it gets good for me. And this is hotly contested between the Englishman and the Irishman. So we're going to go with the Englishman first, or actually he was a, a Belgian living in London, but I'm stretching my rules. Whatever. Theophile Jules Henry Marsials. Wow. Worked at the... Yeah, I know, right? Great name. Theophile. Man who loves Theos. <laughs> He <laughs> <laughs> worked at the British Library and considered himself quite the poet, uh, writing this particularly brooding and emotive piece about thoughts of suicide and lost love in 1873 as part of a collection of poems called The Gallery of Pigeons. Right. <laughs> And it says something about Victorian tastes, I think, Tom, that at the time, the public actually thought this poem was very, very good. Theophile, lover of Theo's, made quite a lot of money from his poetry. This is called A Tragedy, and I think it's safe to say that he's a little bit bitter at, presumably, his best mate hooking up Hold with his on. crush. There once was a man called Theophile who was had a tendency to be a bit suicidal. Uh, he did like his birds, but his poems were turds, and so they were thrown away on a pile. No. Excellent. Excellent. Come back. That's a that's a good start. You're warming you're mm, warming up. Okay, didn't really work, did it? <laughs> Carry on, sorry. <laughs> so this is a poem, Tom, about suicide and love lost. It's called A Tragedy. <clears throat> when the feeling's gone and you can't go wrong. Yes. And I'm gonna put some effort into the performance of this. <clears throat> Here we go, Tom. Death Plop. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Were the first two words of this poem death and plop? Yes, they were, Tom. <laughs> yes, they were. I told you it gets better. <laughs> death. Plop. The barges down in the river flop. Flop. Plop. Above. Beneath. From the slimy branches the grey drips drop to the oozy waters that lounge and flop. And my head shrieks, stop! And my heart shrieks, die! <laughs> Ugh! Yet I knew, I knew! If a woman is false, could a friend be true? It was only a lie from beginning to end. My devil, my friend! So what do I care? My head is empty as air. I can do, I can dare. Plop! The barges flop, drip, 
I can dare, I can dare, and let myself all run away with my head and stop, drop, dead, plop, flop. Plop. 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 Plop's not really a word that I associate with suicidal thoughts. Plop's a very happy word, isn't it? Plop. It makes me want to giggle. It's plop. I just think, I think that's the most powerful ending to a poem I've ever heard, Tom. I, I, I disagree entirely. Drop, dead, plop, flop, plop, flop, pop. I mean, come on now. I thought the start was pretty there. good. Death. I've, Plop. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Plop. <laughs> so there we go, Tom. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I think that's a worse poem. <laughs> wow. That that is that is atrocious. Yeah. Bear in mind the Victorians love this stuff. He earned a thousand pounds a year from royalties for his poetry. This guy, <laughs> which at the time was quite a lot of money, <laughs> more than enough to buy a house every year. So, yes, there we go. Plop, flop, plop. A tragedy, Tom. A tragedy by uh, Theophile Jules Henry Marziales. So, our third poet, Tom, the Irish woman. Amanda McKittrick Ross was born in 1860. Are you giggling already? Is this good? <laughs> giggling already. This is just, this is wonderfully awful. This is what would happen. What's coming up in a moment, Tom, is what would happen if I tried to write a poem. <laughs> So yes, Amanda McKittrick Ross was born in 1860 and wrote terrible novels as well as two particularly shit collections of poetry. One called Poems of Puncture and one called Poems of Formation. And they are really Poems of Puncture? Genuinely was she an avid cyclist? What, what's going awful. on? <laughs> yes, she was, yes. <laughs> I think it's more of a kind of uh, shut through the heart type of uh, situation. Like, Puncturing of the is heart. Is it when people listen to it they feel like their lungs have been punctured? Is that... <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the other book? Poems of Formation. Oh, excellent, excellent. So, again, That's... interesting rock formations and architecture. Also, not football managers. <laughs> no, no, very much four, igneous four, rock two, rather than four, poems. Three, yes, three, rather than poems of the 4-4-2. and have a sweeper. I like wingbacks. <laughs> Supporting well, striker. Uh, that was me knocking over a glass. Yes, I got that, yeah. <laughs> whilst, whilst doing... Are you swinging, swinging your arms around with the emotions? <laughs> yeah, I was, thing. I was. I was doing like a... Yeah, I was imagining myself as, um, I don't know, Alex Ferguson in a musical. <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, she she died before being able to write poems of substitution. The uh... <laughs> extra time. <laughs> odes, to, odes to slightly overweight goalkeepers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve O'Grizovich. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm not going to go. Um, Dave so, Besson. So the hilarious. <laughs> so the hilarious thing about Amanda is that she thought genuinely. She thought that she was is very fat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 I'm I shouldn't have opened you up for that one. These <laughs> <laughs> football references. Yes. So the hilarious thing about Amanda is that she genuinely thought that she was the best thing since sliced bread. She thought she was the tits, Tom. Uh, writing in uh, her diary that people would be celebrating her work for a thousand years and that a million and one readers would clamour for aught that dropped from her pen. Quote. Uh, all of her works are self-published, by the way. <laughs> she never found an agent. <laughs> Death <laughs> yeah. from the pen. An ink on my page. Like death on my head. The darkness within. I'm in a cupboard. 
Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, here we go again. <laughs> I can't help but feel that some of the pent-up stress from your week is released in this podcast. <laughs> it certainly is this week. Um, <laughs> yes, all of Amanda's works are self-published, which is a yeah, so the the million and one readers were clamouring for every one of her words was a, was a bold claim considering there are only about thirty copies of everything published. It's, for, it's fortunate uh, she wasn't brought up in this day and age, isn't it, Sam? Because she could, for example, well, release a podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I get the feeling she might have done. She also claimed that her critics, of which there were many, were simply too stupid and lacked the intellect to truly appreciate her work. Yeah. Apart from one who she took particular umbrage at, who slammed her first novel as being mildly entertaining at first until you realise she's not joking, at which point you recoil in horror. (laughs) And for this particular critic, she wrote a lengthy forward in her second novel about how he was clearly just in love with her. So she (laughs) she was stark raving mad, Tom, this woman. Amazingly, though, she did have some celebrity fans. Mark Twain called her novel Irene one of the greatest unintentionally humorous books of all time. (laughs) Aldous Aldous Huxley was a big fan as well. And actually, ironically, because there were so few originals of her work being self-published, they are actually, when they come up at auction, incredibly valuable. So maybe she was onto something with having a work that would last a thousand years. Or maybe not, Tom. Let's see, because here's an abridged version of her poem on visiting Westminster Abbey, which, Tom, is about a trip down into the catacombs and the tombs. a grand title. This could be good. Yeah, on visiting Westminster Abbey by Amanda McKettrick Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Moses! Have a look! Exclamation mark. Flesh decayed in every nook. Some rare bits of brain lie here. What? Mortal loads of beef and beer some of whom are turned to dust. Every one bids lost to lust. Royal flesh so tinged with blue undergoes the same as you. (laughs) Famous somewhere, yet they died. Poets, statesmen, rogues beside, kings, queens, all of them rot. What about them? Now they're not. (laughs) Wow, that is awful. That is awful, isn't it? Some rare bits of brain lie here. Rare bits. Was she collecting them? Does she have? Does she have an understanding of which parts of the brain are rare? Ooh, and which parts, oh, they're... easy to come by. A bit of frontal lobe, but you would never believe yeah. <laughs> how hard it is to get a bit of the uh, the frontal uh, the, the medulla. The medulla. Yes. <laughs> that's Thomas Wolsey's brain in there. Oh, that's nice. That's a collector's. Every the eighth. Henry VIII, the collector's edition, yeah. yeah. For only two ninety nine, you get Henry VIII's brain for free. Then for only £20 an issue, you can collect the brains of the dead for 12 months afterwards. Build your own Westminster collection of rare bits of brain. Mm, it's strange. Yes, there you go. It's br- strange. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange poem. But I quite like that. I actually, it was a dreadful poem, but I thought actually quite good. There's an awful lot of exclamation marks in it. Does she write in capitals? Holy as well? Moses! Ex- <laughs> like she's Here shouting there, all oddly. the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm writing very loudly <laughs> because it's exciting. Will you calm down now? Will you calm? Will you take down? a look? Can't we all just get on here now? Will you take a look at the brains of Queen Elizabeth? I actually quite like this. It's voted one of the worst poems of all time, but I think it's a it's a cheerful ode to the fact that when we're dead, we're all the same. <laughs> We're all just bits of brain in a tomb, and, Tom. And blue flesh. I mean, presumably she couldn't see the and flesh. blue flesh, yes. 
No. I, I've not well, been in oddly. many catacombs, but I don't think it's just a series of bodies decaying for all to see with rats scuttling around and maggots <laughs> no. dropping onto the floor in great I get the feeling that maybe volume. she hadn't been to the catacombs either. No, yes, yeah, you're probably right. You probably hadn't been to Westminster catacombs. Although... To her credit, royal flesh so tinged with blue. Blue, and I'm not entirely sure why, but somehow it adds to it, is in quote marks. <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe maybe it was, a, maybe it was a, you know... A reference to blue blood. A, a reference to imagination or blue blood. Oh, it could be a reference to blue blood, maybe yes. This, yeah, I mean, we're discussing it, aren't we? This is why I hate poetry, because I hate literature. <laughs> She's stimulated She has. Thoughts. And on that note, I'm going to finish, because no one wants to discuss poetry. So where did you find out a list of the worst poetry ever? There, there isn't really a list, but when you type in worst poets... <laughs> okay. Well, when you type in worst poets, William Topaz McGonagall comes up first and foremost every single time, and from there you can end up down a click hole of bad poets, which I did. Have you, did you look into bad poems submitted to newspapers? I've come across one. Weymouth Superloos. Weymouth are having new toilets built. So they are getting rid of the portable loos. Our council has promised us... Oh, no, that's not a poem. <laughs> Go on, read it anyway. Click your fingers and make it sound <laughs> okay, poetic. Right. Let's just let's right. just read a random complaint to the Weymouth Gazette. Let's see if we could about yeah. the state of their let's toilet. Let's demonstrate how stupid poetry is by making something completely benign into something poetic. Weymouth's super loos. Weymouth are having new toilets built. They're getting rid of the portable loos. Our council promised us for New Year. It's like a dream come true. Now that Portland are having their cruise ships, lots of tourists are visiting our town. Our conveniences are going up market, not to let anyone down. Our toilets are going unisex of that, I do not agree. I do not want men in dresses using the ladies for a pee. It's all due to the gender factor, and political correctness gone mad, you see. So come on, ladies, stand and defend. You'll lose your right to be. I suggest a gender toilet and a gents, but leave the ladies for a lady and me. There you go. It was actually a poem. Um, about some miserable oh. old bitch who's worried about someone with a todger using the ladies. Um, yes. There you go. Well, was that actually a poem, or did you? I, I think did I you think just it possibly it? was half poem. It was a it was a pseudo poem. Right. Someone who accidentally wrote in rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Someone who was a poet and didn't know it. Yeah, oh, I was trying desperately to avoid saying that at any point in this episode, but there oh, we go. Sorry. Oh. Right at the end, it snuck in. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think it is probably time to end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have you got any ideas for the week after next, Tom, given that you're not here next week? Um, we haven't. Have we done health and fitness before? Because I know we you know, both kind of do a bit of health and fitness. Have we done that as a topic? We have we done health? I think we've done health. Why don't we do possibly. fitness? Okay, let's do fitness fitness because we can go ancient greek on that you know we can go way back with fitness yep oh you can oh you can yep cool all right fitness done oh well, thank you so much for tuning in i apologize for all the poetry this week promise we won't do it again uh if you if you'd like this podcast and you're willing to forgive us and overlook our appalling massacring of the english language then you can follow us on social media we are on instagram that was genius twitter that underscore was underscore genius and facebook that was genius podcast so come back in two weeks time for a delve into fitness and if you like this podcast obviously tell your friends about us it makes a huge difference we'd love to have more people listening even though we love all of you very very much already and on that note 
Good night. On that note, fuck you boys, up the butt and in the mouth. <laughs> and always buttress your girders, kids. <laughs>